Hey, this is Victoria Vertuga, and you're listening to Hollywood and Beyond. Hi there, friends and listeners. This is host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. My hope is that this finds you safe, well, and thriving. I thank you so much for listening. You may reach me anytime with comments, feedback, or questions at the show's official email address. That would be hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I am looking forward to speaking with my special guest today. Going to be so much fun. Hey, I'm Grace Green for the role of hot girl number four. I'm 5'3", I'm an Atlanta local hire, and I'm currently available from March 27th to April 14th. Fantastic. And whenever you're ready. Hi. Victoria Vertuga is my special guest, and there is so much to discuss, including Disgraced, the series, and I can't wait to speak with Victoria about this web series, as well as her very appealing performance. I am focused on pulling my career out of this rut. Okay, fine. Five-year free fall. And that makes you Gretchen. It's Grace. Oh, duh, Grace. I knew that. You're not 23 anymore. Girl, you look older than me. It is only through mountains of pressure that a diamond can be forged. I think I was putting on my yogi tee once. Grace Green. You came into the audition too rough and real. No, honey. What you have is a nice rack that got you your one shot in the business, and you blew it. <laughs> I also speak five languages. I do know one phrase in Spanish. It's a real show with scripts and stuff. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in. Her comedic timing is so impressive, too. I'm also looking forward to learning more about her artistic journey. And uh, how about we go ahead and welcome her to the show, Victoria Vertuga. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk to you. The feeling is completely mutual. Let me put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice to have you here today. Um, I can't wait to talk about your web series, Disgraced. I watched all the episodes enjoyed it very much. Very funny. And it also had a lot of things to say, which I can't wait to get your uh, feedback on that. So first of all, how are you doing and where are you joining me from today? So I'm in Los Angeles and I'm hanging in there. I'm doing good, (laughs) you know, (laughs) pandemic and and lots of uh, riots and all that stuff, but for the good. So hanging in there, doing well. You don't need to deal with any more elements, right? Or any more issues. It, Hopefully, it's I'm enough for now. That, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's no locusts or uh, <laughs> fires or anything like that coming the next month. TBD. Well, <laughs> this is an adventurous year. <laughs> it sure is. Let me tell you. Very challenging year for just about all of us, in fact. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you are doing well. And welcome again to the show. 
I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your background. I thought we would begin, though, with this web series. And here is how I would like to do it. If someone came up to you and knew nothing about the web series, like they didn't even have any advanced information, how would you describe your show to that person? Right. Well, so I'd say it's a darkly comedic web series, and it's about an actress who had what she thought was her big break and turned out to be a giant flop. And so she kind of became persona non grata. And this is five years later and her trying to kind of claw her way back into the mix and just kind of all of the uh, misadventures she has. It definitely has a lot of elements, you know, about the sexism in Hollywood and just kind of the general way we treat each other. So, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it, I would say. Well, that's an excellent description. Thank you. And, you know, I have to say, um, you know, there's a lot of what I would call, quote unquote, inside jokes, although I'm sure most people could get them. But especially like other actors or even writers and directors, they would certainly understand, you know, the inside jokes, so to speak. But, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, as I was watching it, I realized in a way it's almost like venting. Like, like this show is a way for a lot of venting of frustrations that perhaps people encounter in the industry. Definitely. It was very cathartic. Yeah. And I've been asked that question a lot, you know, was it, was this a cathartic experience for you? And it definitely was. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, obviously it's very personal. It's based on a lot of my own actual experiences. So it did feel in some ways like venting. It was really an interesting kind of thing to experience because there, there's the after part of me when I'm going through these, you know, reliving these situations and really experiencing them again. That's like, you know, feeling all the feelings that Grace is feeling, you know, ashamed, embarrassed, frustrated, all those things. And then there's simultaneously the producer side of my brain that's like, this is amazing, you know, wanting everyone to like insult me more and treat me worse. So it was, it was kind of a cool experience that way. <laughs> Well, how, how about we start with um, how did this concept first develop? Yeah, well, so I did this with my writing and producing partner, Eric, and we've been friends for quite some time working together for about the past like two years. And he's he's been privy to lots of my ridiculous stories in this industry of just crazy experiences all around. And so we kind of had that floating in the back of our minds. And then we were watching something one time and it was a girl who had a story kind of very much like Grace where she was the lead in this, you know, like a later installment of a franchise uh, and then kind of her career tanked because it wasn't done well. And she was kind of blamed for like ruining the franchise. And we kind of loved that idea that that actors are, it's really interesting because, you know, an actor is just one, one piece of this giant, part that is creating a film and they really don't have much control over many aspects of it but when something doesn't do well they're oftentimes the first person blamed so we were kind of interested in that idea and we like the idea of her not so much being like the struggle being a struggling actor yes but having had a taste of it because that just seems really rich and fun to play with because it's almost worse in some ways you know people know her but they know her in a bad way so we we liked that idea and then just kind of went from there and then um i had to like put together a a list of all (laughs) dig deep into my mind for all those (laughs) repressed memories of all my bad experiences and just have this giant spreadsheet of everything i could remember many things that i had completely forgotten probably you know on purpose so that i could have a little bit of self-esteem um so it was it was interesting to just look at all those experiences um and just kind of mine them and pick the ones that we thought would be the best for for the series and go from there well very well done i really like the concept it's 
it's you know it, it's actually very timely it's it's something that um, yeah. you know I, I watched it and and, and I uh, I really enjoyed what I was seeing and I was wanting to see more and that's always a good thing right there when you want to keep yeah, seeing more and and I also yeah. feel like this is just scratching the surface potentially there's like so many possibilities Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, we actually had two more episodes that we wrote that we weren't able to produce um, as part of season one just because of, you know, financial reasons and whatever. We wanted to make the, the things that we did do really good. So we cut those out. So we have two more that we've already written. We have a half hour pilot we're working on. And there's so many places that can go and so many, so many things we can do. So that's what's kind of great about it. There, there are a lot of avenues to explore. Well, with your partner, I can just imagine both of you having fun going, hey, let's let's do something about auditions or, Hey, let's do something about meeting an agent. Like I, I bet that was a lot of fun coming up with ideas. Oh, that's, that's always <laughs> my favorite part of any of the process in general. I love that idea phase when you're, it's just all the excitement and possibilities and you're just brainstorming. That's like my absolute favorite part of every, every process of coming up with the story. And we had so much fun, you know, and like you said, there are a lot of inside jokes. We were very cognizant of hopefully making it appealing to people who don't work in this industry. There's a lot of, of broader things that I think women, especially that people can relate to in general, but we, we love the inside jokes. So there's a lot of stuff that we threw in there and we're like, let's see if anyone notices. Um, <laughs> and that was really fun. So yeah, we had honestly, this project was just so much fun from beginning to end. We had an absolute blast working on it. Well, I'm glad to to hear that. And it certainly shows with the, with the finished results. You know, I, I thought I would ask you, how long did it take to film all of the episodes that are now available? Did you film them all at one time? We did. We filmed them consecutively. Um, we had one day break because we filmed some in San Diego and some in Los Angeles um, because oh, okay. we were lucky enough to have people um, donate locations to us so we didn't have to pay for locations. So we went where we had them and we had some amazing <laughs> locations. So we filmed, I believe it was eight days of filming. It might have been seven. I can't remember at this point. But yeah, seven or eight days of filming consecutively. Um, and we cranked it out and it was fantastic. We had an amazing cast and crew. And like I said, it was just, it was really, really fun. You could tell people were enjoying themselves and, and we were so lucky to have people that were really excited to be involved in the project. And we had an absolute blast. I have to say, I enjoyed a lot of the other characters that appear yeah. on the series. Uh, they're very casted well and, and they bring their own, uh, uh, you know, element to the, the whole storyline and, and, and all, everything that the show's trying to say. So very well done with the cast and crew as well. Um, and, you know, your performance, as I've mentioned, is very appealing. I really admired your comedic timing because sometimes even when you didn't have a, a line, your expression or the way that you responded to, you know, what someone just said was just spot on. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I always feel when I'm watching things myself, you know, reactions are always good for a, for a comedic moment. And that, that's so much of the comedy comes from people's reactions and experiences. So, yeah, that's that's definitely great. Um, and comedy is fantastic. And it's this thing where I think it's, it's very musical, right? It's very rhythmic. So I feel like once you understand comedy really well, you get it in your bones and you just kind of feel the rhythm naturally. And it's a, it's a great thing when that happens. Well, Victoria, before I dive into some more about some of the topics that are raised and, and a few of the situations, yeah. I'm very curious. I mean, you are not only obviously the the lead actress, but obviously you helped create it. You're the writer, producer. Uh, my question is, um, what was like the biggest challenge for you once production started? Or was it pretty much smooth sailing for the most part? I feel like 
it was it was definitely smooth sailing for the most part. But I feel like with any production, it's kind of like planning a wedding. You know, there's always going to be things that go wrong. Uh, there's rains. so many moving parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many moving parts and so many things you can't control, and there will inevitably be some issues and things that arise. But I was really fortunate in that this was maybe the third or fourth thing that I've produced. And so I learned some really valuable lessons on the things that I produced previously and really learned how to not be freaked out by those inevitable things that come up and really roll with it and let it happen and trust that we're going to be okay. And things are going to work out just fine. And also I learned how to protect myself as an actor, because when you're doing these smaller budget things and you're wearing many hats, you know, like you said, I was, obviously writer creator, I produced it. I've also directed multiple episodes. So when you're doing all these various things, it can be really easy to neglect the craft of the acting because you're it's, producing is such a beast. You know, it takes so much of your time and there's so many things going on and so many things you have to be aware of and be doing that it's really easy to let that consume all of your time and then not really give the time that you need for your acting and for your craft to really protect yourself that way. So I kind of learned that lesson on previous projects and was really cognizant of that this time around and really making sure that I gave myself that time to, to work on the craft of the acting and make sure that that was protected. And then just allow myself to have fun and not really sweat the small stuff because there, and even the medium stuff, because <laughs> there's always going to be things off the But I, I think, like you know, if you have people, stuff, I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> It, it happens. I mean, every, you know, there's always, always going to be things that go a little bit awry. But yeah, we were really lucky that we had a fantastic cast and crew. So we, um, you know, we were able to roll with everything and, and really have a, a great smooth production. So that was fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. That is just uh, wonderful. You know, I would like to bring up actually the very first scene. Because mm -hmm. I think it sets the tone perfectly for the series. I also included a, a clip of that at the opening segment uh, of this episode because I think it just makes that strong of a statement. And, and that is your character <laughs> <laughs> is doing, you know, is being uh, taped for an audition and is under the impression that obviously it has begun and, and she she. Gives it her all, you know, when you're in that that uh, zone, so to speak, and you're giving it all, concentrating, doing your best, only to find out that you're, the person's response is, "Okay, whenever you're ready, there." And your your expression, I mean, you, instead of getting angry and saying something nasty back, you just kind of stared, and that smile got bigger, and <laughs> you just said, oh. <laughs> "I just thought that was very clever. I really like that." Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those things that uh, many people will not necessarily get. But we were really kind of we wanted the idea of the self tape just to kind of introduce her, and we liked the idea of uh, of her her slate being really long and her actual audition being tiny. Uh, because sometimes that's how it is. You have like these instructions for like 20 things you have to get out in your slate and then you have like two lines for your actual audition, which is hilarious to me. So we, we were toying with that idea and found that very funny. And it's like, hello, can you not tell she has, you know, started this? <laughs> it's, it's like the other right, person's right, oblivious, right. you know, and that's just kind of maddening, is it, when you think about it? Absolutely. I, I had a I had this this audition before the pandemic, actually, shortly before, where it was like three scenes, and and usually, you know, they'll either cut between or not. And so I always ask them, "Are you cutting? Are we rolling through?" They're like, "Okay, we're cutting. Great." And then they would never give me an action or a, whenever you're ready. They would just cut, and then I'm like, "Hello, are we going again?" Like, and I was just like standing there waiting for somebody <laughs> to give me a cue, and they're like, "Finally, you know, go ahead." And it's like, "Okay, but you want to tell me?" Uh, auditions are such, you know, they're they're. I feel like if you could conceive of a place for actors to do their worst work, it would look like auditions that we have now. You know, it's like it's just set up. It's just it's, they're crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> and there's many adventures that your character experiences 
and many of them that oh, you yeah. probably preferred not to. And, and you know what? That has me thinking. I, I have to say this to you. You know, I was cheering her on. I think this is probably one of the wisest approaches that you took in the creative team is that, you know, my feeling is that her heart's in the right place, that she sincerely wants to to get back into acting. Yes, at one time she thought that she had, quote unquote, made it big or had her big break, but it didn't really turn out to be that. But she's trying again. She's going to give it her all and she's not going to let these obstacles stop her. So I really like that. You play that very well too. It, it really speaks out to me when I'm watching this. You know, I think of your character as zany as some of the moments are. She's kind of like the voice of reason throughout the series. Yeah, she definitely is the most grounded one, and that is that is definitely the case. Because uh, there's so many colorful characters around her, right? And she she kind of is yes. the straight man um, in many ways, going through the journey. So definitely, and yeah, we we want you know we definitely want her to be likable and to be uh, in this for the right reasons and to be you know it, a lot of the show is about her coming into her own power and deciding what she's willing to stand up against and not and. We definitely wanted her to be an active participant in her own journey forward. You know, it's not just be letting these things happen to her, but be like actively trying herself and to be trying to control her own destiny and not just letting people beat on her without ever fighting back. You know what I mean? So yes. we were very cognizant of, of finding the, the right balance between all those things. <laughs> now, had you had a lot of training as far as uh, comedy goes? Because it shines through oh, these definitely. episodes. Yeah, so um, I studied with um, I've studied with multiple people, but I studied with Annie Grinley in in LA, and she's fantastic, and she's great at comedy. And like I said, it, it's one of those things where um, I kind of naturally have that comedic timing anyway. Like I, I'm <laughs> just very fast on the pacing and whatever. So I've I've been really lucky that that's kind of a natural thing for me. But she's she's been fantastic. And once like I said, like it's so rhythmic and it's so um, timing based, and it's, it's there's a lot of technical stuff to it. And I think once you have that just kind of in your bones, then you recognize it easily and. And it, it's so fun. Comedy is excellent. You know, it's funny because everyone outside of the industry kind of thinks that comedy is so much easier. And anyone working in the industry knows that comedy is infinitely harder. So it's, Ooh, it's a funny yeah. uh, di dichotomy that exists. You know, you have to do all the work you do for drama and then layer on top of it the technical stuff and the timing and all that. So, um, yeah, I love comedy, though. It's great. My favorite is, is just like I love drama and I love comedy. I love the darkness and I love the lightness. I like I like it all together. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love variety, too, so I can completely understand yeah. there. Well, Victoria, I have to uh, bring up uh, an episode. It's episode number six, and the title yep. is, well, here is the title. It's Dumb Slut. That is the title of the episode. And yep. the reason I'm bringing it up is um, your character, Grace, has a meeting. And, you know, near the end of the episode, right before the credits come up, a lot of, of course, zany things happen. And also, your character is spoken to in very not appealing or flattering way. I mean, in a way where no one would want to be spoken to. Uh, I'm sure it represents times when people in the industry maybe have spoken to others in such a way when they really shouldn't be. And there's, you know, no need, no need for that. There's, I mean, the respect factor is obviously out the window. And I think that that episode was trying to maybe emphasize that. But I noticed as the camera was moving up on you, how teary-eyed you became. And to me, it was one of the more dramatic moments of the series because I felt like that's what was happening. Your character was experiencing that hurt. And I just wanted to bring it up to, to see if I'm even close to being correct about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. That's definitely, that's, it's very interesting because that's one, I think, the most polarizing episode for people this in season one. People either love it or they find it incredibly hard to watch so much so that they, they don't enjoy it. So it's been very interesting that way. Um, obviously, I love that episode. And yeah, it was definitely a more vulnerable moment for Grace and, and a more dramatic episode in general. You know, there's obviously moments of comedy. But yeah, because I feel like to be the recipient of being, you know, insulted like that, of course you're going to not feel great. It's, you know, no one likes to be treated that way. No one likes to be mistreated. No one likes to be insulted. No one likes to be talked down to. No one likes to be just, you know, berated kind of like she was in that episode. So yeah, it definitely, um, that was a vulnerable raw moment for sure. Well, you did a, a great job at that moment. I was very impressed. And, and those were with agents. Was that correct? At an agency? Yeah, so so Grace, basically Paulina, the character, is her manager, like her longtime manager, and um, tra- sometimes managers will try to get you signed with agencies. Um, so managers can get you work too, but agents kind of are, are do that more so. So yeah, basically Paulina had set up the meeting with this agency um, to try to get Grace kind of back in the mix, and that's what had happened. <laughs> yeah, and the manager, uh, interesting character. I really enjoyed those scenes when, when they were talking. And, and you know what is standing out to me is... This is like a big theme, I think, if you after you watch all your series. And that is yeah. the okay, obviously you and I both love acting, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. this isn't about a anti-acting series. It's just a look at some of the craziness that can be in the industry uh, that many of us could experience at one time or another. And that's important to highlight. But you know what I was standing out to me was how important it is to have a good circle of friends or a support team when you're an artistic person. Because when you have crazy situations where people are you know, speaking to you in, in, in a horrible way or you feel like you're not being taken seriously and et cetera, et cetera, isn't it so important to have that support team, friends that really care about you and help cheer you along the way? Yes, definitely. A support team is crucial. This is, it's a tough business. You know, obviously that's, that's the stereotype for a reason, but you are putting yourself out there constantly and you are getting way more rejections than you're getting yeses. You're getting way more no's than you're getting yeses. Even if you're having a great career and you're working all the time, you're still hearing no way more often than you're hearing yes. So it requires thick skin. And it's, it, even if you come into it and you have a very strong sense of self and, you know, very good self-esteem and uh, you're able to try to let things go and, and focus on the good, it can still wear on you and be very challenging. So I, I agree that a support system is, is crucial. And I would add to that, you know, good teachers and good classes and, and good communities as well. Not just, you know, your interpersonal relationships like your friends and your significant others and your family. Uh, but, you know, having a support system in terms of the community as well is really important. Well, well said, uh, Victoria. And an- another thing I will bring up is that I've also noticed that I think the show is trying to say that there's, you know, the, there's a lot of insincere people out there that, you know, I mean, you could describe them as phonies. You could describe them as way too self-absorbed. And I noticed there was lots of characters like that, that were, you know, like, for example, on episode one, when you're attending, you know, that party and in, in that gathering, yeah. it just seemed like, you know, your character is like, please, this is like, how un- insincere can one get? And, and and I was picking up on that. And then I noticed there were other characters on my, and your character really wanted to be sincere and, 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 and hopefully find others who are sincere um, in the industry as well. So I just wanted to mention that, you know, as an artistic person, it is important to be careful about people that could maybe, you know, uh, not uh, be the best influence on you. 
Yeah, I think that sincerity is, is huge. And I think this is obviously an industry that attracts people for many reasons. Uh, and some of those reasons have more to do with, you know, looking pretty and being rich and famous and being the center of attention than they do the craft of it. And that's a really easy, easy trap to fall into. And I think that you have to love the work of acting. You know, you have to love the craft of it. You have to love storytelling. You got to love that part of it. I, because that just makes you so much of a better actor, you know, especially if you're not afraid. I honestly think one of the best traits to have as an actor, or really a creative in general, is to not be afraid to look like an idiot to just totally be over yourself because it allows you to do so much better work and to be so much more receptive to feedback and to try things and not be afraid to look like an, like a doofus. You know what I mean? So I think, um, I like that really being in touch touch with the, why you're doing this is so important because that's going to guide you through your career. You know, the love of it, the love of storytelling, the love of making people think and laugh and cry and feel and all those things. And, and, you know, being in a position of influence and using that for good. There's so many amazing things that come with it, but yeah, if you're here because you know, you want to look pretty and and have shiny things and you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot. I think those people find out pretty quickly that it's a lot of work. Some of them get lucky and and luck into things, but uh, usually they don't have longevity because, you know, this is an industry of ups and downs. And so as soon as the downs hit, those people are usually like, yeah, I think I'll bail. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely wanted to have fun at that, you know, the superficiality and kind of just the, the flavor of the week mentality that permeates the industry in so many ways, you know, like right now we want this, this is really hot. Okay. Now that's not hot anymore. Whatever. Now we're moving on to this. This is really hot. You know, just kind of that, that, yeah. The, Ooh, something new and shiny over here. You know, that kind of mentality that permeates the industry in so many ways. Isn't it ironic though, Victoria, that this is kind of crazy after, you know, we're having this discussion, but hey, I'll just be honest, in a weird sort of way, you know, it's all still a part of the appeal for me that this industry is is so crazy. You know, expect the unexpected. You just never know what can happen or who you can meet or or any number of things. Now, of course, no one wants to be spoken to in such a harsh way. I don't mean that, but I just mean just sometimes some of the absurdity of the, of the industry at times can actually be adventurous. Oh, definitely. And I think it, when you're when you're pursuing a career in this and you're drawn to that, like most of us are really easily bored, right? We like that. We like that um, variety and the unknown and, and every day poses something different and anything can happen at any time. I think a lot of us are really drawn to that kind of uh, the possibilities and, and, and the change and the variety, because I know for me, that's very much the case. You know, I found out early on, I tried to, I actually, when I graduated college, I, I pursued a career on the business side of entertainment and I worked in on that for about two years. And cause I was like, Oh, maybe this will be a happy medium. You know, it has, it has, um, uh, stability, but it's also in the industry. And I absolutely hated it. So I'm so grateful for that opportunity because it really forced me to do what it is that I really wanted to do. And I, I learned the lesson that for myself, freedom is so much more important for me than stability is for me to be happy and, and just for me to be the happiest that I can be. So I think that a lot of us uh, kind of have that in, in this industry where we love the freedom and we love the opportunity that's available. And that's kind of more important to us than the structure and, and stability of a normal nine to five, you know? That's right. You know, you know, uh, you know, when I first arrived to LA years ago, I'm, I'm now here in my hometown of Cincinnati. But when I first arrived nice. in LA, I just loved, you know, starting my day going, I just have no idea what could potentially happen today. Or, you know, what I can do to maybe make a difference in my career, whether it be, you know, finding a good workshop or an acting class or making new friends, uh, other actors. 
Uh, and you know, I just I love that adventurous feel when you when when you are you know when you have your mind set on on goals and things that you want to do. It's just very exciting. And like you said, taking risks is very important. Um, you know, to, to have an impact in the long run, I believe. Definitely agree with you. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I love, I love the like every job is new people and new people to meet and new sets and everything's <laughs> you know like I love that. I love that variety. I love, I love the fact that you you expose to so many different people and so many different jobs and you know so many different yeah in class in auditions and everywhere you go and I, I love that aspect of it too. So I think I think that's probably you know a draw for a lot of us that are that are in this industry. Well, you know, it's one of the things that I love most about hosting Hollywood and Beyond, Victorious. I get to meet so many amazing people just like you. I learn so much from everybody, and I am having an absolutely wonderful time speaking with you. I just hope you know that. Oh, I'm having a blast, too, and I, I'm totally with you, yeah. Getting to meet awesome people and creative, talented people, that's like one of the best perks of it, isn't it? It's really, it's, really is. It sure is, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to let others know about this web series and to do all Yay! I can to show you support and all those that worked on it. I would like to Thank ask you. you, I'm curious, so we talked about some of the things that I liked about the series, but is there a favorite scene or favorite episode that stands out to you the most? I kind of have a, I mean, obviously I loved the whole thing, but yeah, I kind of have a tie, a two-way tie for me. Okay, so sure. it's um, <laughs> episode three, Once Beautiful Woman. Um, that one was directed <laughs> by our amazing director of photography, Frankie. He did a fantastic job on that episode. Yes. And uh, we'd worked with Frankie before as a DP on other projects, but this was my first time getting to work with him as a director. Um, he directed that episode and also Dumb Slut. And I just absolutely loved working with him as a director. We had a fantastic time with that. And I love that episode, the ridiculousness of it. I mean, that's actually a, tr a, a very true experience that happened for me, which is just so funny and so terrible at the same that time. That is a true experience. Uh, and then wow. definitely, yes. Yeah, the, like that exact thing happened. So, and then Tiffany, who played uh, the actress in the waiting room, who's just like, like you know, insulting Grace. Uh, I love that <laughs> part too. Like she, was, she, we had this whole like improv session where she just, she just gave so many hilarious insults and it was so <laughs> fantastic. And, and she did it with so a laugh and smile. <laughs> Oh, she, yeah, she was great. Tiffany's fantastic. And then it was just so funny because I, you know, when, during the filming of it, uh, when I had to, you know, like go in the bathroom and transform myself, when I came out, you know, after we filmed that scene and the whole like casting crew sees me, everyone was like, whoa, they have this very obvious like, reaction to what I looked like. So, like. It was just so funny to me. They were like, oh, okay, that's what you want to do. <laughs> uh, so I love it. I love it. It was great. Um, and then I had a, uh, this, this producer who me and my partner were talking to about, about another project. He was like, he'd watched Disgrace and he loved it. And he was telling me how, uh, I think his quote was, I've never seen someone look so beautiful and so ugly in such a short span of time. <laughs> and just a matter of moments. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you, sir. Anyway, so that was great. That episode was really fun. And then my other favorite one is um, Hollywood Heartthrobs Part 1. I'm sorry, Part 2. That was uh, just some conception to like production that was my favorite one like it, we had so much so much fun coming up with that idea and writing it and filming it and it was just like pure shenanigans and um i love it i just love that one it, it like that one probably makes me laugh more than any other one like still i find so many moments and it really funny so yeah those those two are probably tied for first but honestly i i had a blast with all of them and it shows a two-way tie that's something else <laughs> well you know i'm thinking of something interesting here so, yeah. you, you know, look, it happens to the best of us. We maybe forget our line or we skip ahead a few pages. You know, I mean, it's, hey, it happens to the best of us, right? 
however, I'm wondering on a series like this with all of the, the, the humorous elements and moments and facial reactions <laughs> that are often seen on so many characters. So was there a lot of times when people maybe just couldn't help it and they just started laughing? Yes. Oh, yes. I think me and Janelle, Janelle who plays Der- Derek Dashin, me and Janelle were guilty of that. We were the worst. We, but like in general, we did okay. very well. But when we were filming um, E-Part... And we like we were very well behaved and, and we had a fantastic. I mean, people knew their lot. People were great. We had very well, few slums. But the, when we now were filming um, E Part Two and we were having to do that scene where like I'm like like yelling at him and like punching him and then he like grabs my hands and looks into my eyes. Oh my god, we had the, <laughs> we, we had a really hard time getting that because some laughing. of the the script we, is funny. We, we had the like, like lines where where like when yes. I see you, I mean like uh like the scene with your character's brother when you know like actual scripts like. I could almost see you like just yes. breaking out in laughter because his face facial expression was just so funny. Totally. There, <laughs> yes, there were there were there were, there were definitely lots of moments. And then for me, um, actually, so if you watch, I don't know if if you watch Dumb Slut till the very end, uh, there's like a little Easter egg at the end, and it's um Brian who plays the like the male agent that interviews me first. Um, he like has a staple, like he picks up the no, it's like a tape, um, uh-huh. a tape dispenser. Like it's a phone. He's like, I gotta get that, and he like t- like walks off like <laughs> pretending that the table. So we had this, we had this improv like thing at the end when he was doing a bunch of stuff, and that was actually kind of hard for me to stay straight while he's like you know rubbing like spots off of the glass of the desk and like checking his tie and doing all that sh- stuff. That was pretty funny when we were filming his coverage. It was it was hard not to laugh at those things too. <laughs> but yeah, in general, we were very well behaved. But yeah, you know, it, it's a fun set, so people have fun, and and no one really gets mad if <laughs> you gotta film a couple extra because people are laughing. That's the thing I like about this series is that even though it has some things to say it's also still you know what it's still trying to to be about having fun you know for the viewer to 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 to, to have some laughs and and just laugh at some of these ab- absurd situations you know like when your character meets the gentleman for a drink that never really happens <laughs> because i think she got freaked out a little bit by him uh, yes, he was. Uh, that Tommy was. That was another funny. One. I, I love that episode. That was so fun to film. He was so funny. He, he is. He's like. He was just so. I mean, this as a, the biggest compliment. Like so creepy that it was just amazing to play off of him. And he, Tommy's fantastic, but he's he's like you know he's such a, like a charming, good looking dude that he's yes. usually playing these like very suave roles, and he just wants to be a weirdo, which I totally understand as an actor. I feel the same way often. So he loved that he got to play this role. He was like absolutely thrilled, and he had so much fun with it. And it, that was. I'm it was a big really, really horror fan. His <laughs> enthusiasm showed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but maybe too big of a horror fan. You know, uh, I especially love the uh, whole uh, Leatherface thing. Like, you know, you know, when he was doing the comparison, uh, you know, between two films. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh. Definitely. That, that was very clever writing there. So he did a great job too. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all of these stories of production and the episodes themselves. So, what is the current status as far as maybe a season two goes? Yeah, everyone, everyone keeps asking me that. They're like, it was too short. We want more, which is a great, a great problem to have. <laughs> so we kind of made this. We're, we're ready. Yeah. We're ready for more. Right, exactly. Unfortunately, nothing is filming right now during the pandemic. But yeah, so we kind of, we wrote this kind of just to serve as um, a calling card for us and to just be like, hi, we are alive and this is our POV and put ourselves out there sure. um, and kind of see what happens. So we are definitely open to doing a season two. Um, we're also open to uh, adapting it to a half hour format as well. Um, 
So we have no definitive plans, but we are going to see where it takes us. The next thing that we're working on is actually um, a feature-length horror film that we're doing. So that'll be the next thing that we actually produce. But yeah, we'll, we're, we're very excited to see what happens for Disgrace. The feedback has been fantastic thus far. So we're just going to kind of see what happens and see where it takes us. And we obviously have much more content and many ideas for a season two that would be very viable. So we'll keep you, keep you posted on it. Well, thank you. I have no doubt about that, that there's a lot more cookies in the cookie jar, so to speak. <laughs> all of you the best on that. Now, how can folks out there actually view season one, the, the, what we're talking about here? Yeah, so you guys, we're on YouTube and Vimeo um, and some other outlets. But yeah, if you go to youtube.com backslash C backslash Disgrace the Series, or if you just type in Disgrace the Series into any search thing, <laughs> you will find us on one platform or another. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this uh, blonde lady will show up and you'll know Exactly. <laughs> and you'll know you're in the right place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see. If you don't mind, I'd love to learn more about uh, some of your background. Yeah. For example, where are you actually from? So I am a California girl. I was uh, born in the Bay Area and um, grew up mostly in San Diego. We actually lived in the UK for a little bit when I was very young. And then, yeah, mostly grew up in San Diego, came to L.A. for college, went to USC, and then stuck around in L.A. Um, I have a place in Atlanta as well, and I've been working out there for the past uh, two nice. years or so. So, yeah. That's not too far away from me here in Cincinnati. Yeah, my- my um yeah my my family actually my parents are from Ohio so yeah I spent many oh, wow. many a summer and a Christmas in Ohio yeah my um just my grandma on my mom's side lives in Bowling Green and my dad lives outside of Toledo so we used to go back every summer and every other Christmas to Ohio so I know it well, well if you're <laughs> ever in the area please let me know yeah I will for sure love to have some lunch or something um that is if we can find a place open and uh, yeah. it'd be nice <laughs> it'd be nice to to meet you. Wow, that is just amazing. Now, how are things down in Atlanta at this time as far as film production? I know they're on standby as well. Yeah. Um, like you obviously, it sounds like you're willing to work in both cities, obviously, in L.A. or Atlanta. Atlanta has just grown so much. Uh, what do you find ab- appealing about Atlanta, of course, before the whole virus situation? What, what's appealing to you about Atlanta as, a, as an actress? Yeah, Atlanta's a fantastic market. You know, it's a lot of film has basically moved out of LA for the past few years. And so it, yes. you don't really get to do much film work as an actor in LA. So having, being able to work in Atlanta and having that place there and being able to work there has been fantastic. A lot more auditions for film. Obviously it's a booming TV market as well. Uh, it's been really fun. So I did, um, I did a film called The Trap that's on Netflix. Um, I did one of Tyler Perry's shows out there. I've had some auditions for some amazing projects that I did not book that I wish I did. Um, but oh. yeah, it's been, it's been great. But uh, it's a great market. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's definitely thriving. Um, I think they're going to have a little bit of easier time opening up first. I think Tyler Perry's yes. productions will be the first ones that come back. He's kind of in a unique situation because he has that old yeah. army base that he took over. And so there's tons of housing there and, and they built a bunch of sets that are actually like working homes and stuff. So they have a, a kind of a unique situation. So I think he's the first, I think his is the first thing slated to come back kind of. Um, LA is looking like it'll be more maybe the fall. I don't know. We're kind of waiting and seeing that. I think uh, the first thing I know that's supposed to, that hasn't gotten pushed is, is filming in September. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. You know, there's lots of ideas on what it's going to look like and how we're going to do this going forward. So I think it'll be a little bit of uh, experimentation happening. Hey, no doubt about that. 
You're yeah. right about that. And, you know, Cincinnati has been a, a, a very much booming market for films over the last few years. Oh, uh, interesting. I, I filmed last year a few scenes in the film Dark Waters, which was filmed almost entirely in the Cincinnati area. And I have had been away from acting for years. And to make a very long story short, that was my return to acting. So That's I awesome. have to say I'm just so grateful to actually be on a set again. And, um, and I'm equally as grateful to be speaking with you today. I'd like to ask you, though, um, you know, now that things are different, yes, we hope that things get back to close to normal. But, you know, this is really going to change casting, I think. I mean, let's say things really do get back to normal somehow, some way. Let's just right. hypothetically. You know, I'm still hearing that casting might find it appealing to do the majority of casting first through video self-tape. Definitely. I mean, so the Southeast market, like the Atlanta market, has already been doing that for years because it covers such a broad area. You know, it, it covers Georgia, it covers Florida, yes. it covers the Carolinas, it covers Louisiana. So they've already been doing that, which is great. So they're like ahead of the curve when it comes to that stuff. Um, LA is very much an in-person market in New York as well. So they've had to adapt during the pandemic to, to self-tapes. And I think that we're going to see that staying going forward, both for health reasons and for convenience reasons. I know for myself, when I'm, when I'm casting, I always do self-tapes for the first round. It's just so much more convenient for, you know, just to be able to get the tapes in. You don't have to worry about space. You don't have to worry about the timing of actors. You know, it's always, it just, it's so much, it's so much more convenient. So it definitely is a little bit of, of an initial burden on actors in the beginning to get that self-tape set up and figure it out what's going to work for them. But it's also, I think actors need to embrace that as well, because there's also a lot of benefits that come with the self-tape thing. You know, you can take your time, yes. you can do multiple takes, you can, you know, you really have a lot more control in many ways. So I think that there's, there's definitely benefits for actors as well. Um, and then also, you know, casting, they, they like I know in, in Atlanta, for example, none of the casting directors have uh, physical offices. They when they have to do in-persons, which they do for pilots and callbacks and stuff like that, oftentimes they just kind of rent these like workspaces and, and make it happen. So they don't have to maintain, you know, an office. They don't have they don't have the overhead of rent and all that. They can just pay for these things, you know, by the hour as they need them. So there's benefits on both sides. So I definitely think we're going to see self-tapes kind of being the norm for all of the markets going forward. Also, it allows, you know, casting access to people from other cities. It allows them access to more actors if they, if they want to see more and, and can't, you know, are having trouble finding specific things. So I definitely think that that will be a, a lasting change going forward for sure. I really appreciate you sharing your insight and thoughts. Thank yeah. you so much. Of now, course. Obviously, if you get casted for a lead part, right, they're going to want to either get you there or fly you there or you drive there. But let me ask you, because I'm very curious, have you heard or experienced for yourself, let's say maybe it's a supporting character, but there are lines, something significant. Can you actually be booked just from the self-tape without actually physically meeting casting? Like, you are have almost you heard of that part happening? Uh, not only heard of it, that is the norm for supporting roles. You're almost never okay. doing callbacks in person. So everything I've booked, everything I've booked um, in really? Atlanta. They just tell you to show roles. up and, and start filming. Yeah. yeah, you do a tape and that's it. And um, uh, and then you show up and you do your thing. I mean, it's much like it's much like you don't necessarily have callbacks for supporting roles. Um, you know, even if you have the in-person audition, you just have the one audition and that's it. So the self-tape just kind of serves as that. I even have a friend who actually is going to be on a new HBO show that booked his series regular role just from a self-tape. Never met them in person, just booked a series regular role off a self-tape. Um, flew out to film it. So yeah, it, 
it's happening more and more. So the only there, it, it, there are, there used to be, again, I think this will be slightly changing going forward because of the, the pandemic. But so like, for example, in Atlanta, um, Tyler Perry's casting director, Raven, Raven drummer, she would like to see you in person. So they would prefer that you do in-person auditions. Uh, they kind of ha- started opening it up even before the pandemic to do some, some self tapes, but it kind of depends on the casting is really what it is. So if casting prefers yes, to see sure. in person for whatever reason, then some casting directors will require that of you and want you to come in. Many will not. For example, I, I auditioned for a series regular on a Showtime series and they had the option, you know, do you want to come in person? We're doing it this day or do you want to do a self tape? So for me, sometimes I'll still choose to go in person if it's a casting director that I haven't met in person yet and I want to be like, hi, get to know them and, you know, show my face like actually in person and kind of establish that relationship a little bit more, I will choose the in-person audition. But even for me, when I've auditioned for some series regular things, there was always the option to just do a self-tape and never have to go in person. So it's definitely the norm. Um, it, it, you know, obviously for, for larger things and depending on the casting director, uh, you're more likely to have to do an in-person callback. But for smaller supporting roles, you pretty much just self-tape and book it and go out and shoot. Well, Victoria, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I first started acting, we had eight by 10 black and white headshots, you stapled your resume on the back, and you went to the post office and you did mass mailings. Uh, I mean, and then of course, when you had an audition, you most likely had to go directly to the offices or, or wherever casting might be. So, you know, I think this is so exciting. Like as an actor, I mean, think about it. It actually opens up more opportunities, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely does. Yeah, exactly. It definitely does. Because, um, and it's especially like if you're in a market like the Southeast and you, you know, you live, you don't live in Atlanta, maybe you live in, you know, North Carolina, but you can still work in all those other states. And so you can put yourself on tape and say you have a specific skills and it's something casting even in New York or LA, but you, you know, they're having a hard time finding people. They can open it up to the whole country and, and it's a lot more availability. So yeah, as an actor, for sure, I think it allows you a lot more opportunity to get your stuff out there and, and get it seen. So um, there's definitely benefits for sure. And do you have any recommendations on, let's say there's some aspiring actors out there listening today and they're like, okay, I would like to do this. I get it. But how do I actually track down some of these auditions? Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, most quality auditions, you know, for your major film and TV stuff are going to be going through agents. They're not going to be released to the public. Uh, There is always going to be that layer of separation just because they don't want to be getting eight gajillion tapes. I mean, as it is for the, for example, in my category, which is a fairly, you know, uh, heavy popular category, but they they get usually about 4,000 submissions for each role that I'm auditioning for. Um, 4,000 submissions. And that's going through just limiting it to agencies. And some, some casting offices will limit it only to certain agents that they have relationships with. So basically if they open it up to the public, can you imagine how many, for example, a lot of these casting directors during, um, during quarantine were really generous and they were doing some open calls on, on actors access and just, you know, having actors send some self tapes in and all that kind of stuff. And I believe like, um, uh, Bluestein Kennedy, they cast, uh, all the NCISs here in LA. Um, they, had an open call and I believe they got something like 80,000 submissions. So that's insane. I mean, that's insane. So basically that's why big pot of coffee. We're going to be here a while. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to be, yeah, exactly. Quarantine might Uh, last. Order some some, uh, takeout, please, because we're not going home tonight. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, that, that, like that's insane. If they did that for every role, you know, we wouldn't be here. So that's why, you know, there has to be some limitations. There have to be some um, kind of hurdles to overcome. So the best thing to do is, is, you know, here's what I say first, like control the things that you can't control. So, you know, 
study your craft, make sure you're solid and good and know your work, know, you know, know that you can deliver and get quality headshots, you know, get a website that's clean and easy to navigate and then send your stuff out to reputable agents in your area. Um, or in the closest large city to you, you know, if you're in Cincinnati, maybe you represent, you maybe you submit to agents in Atlanta or the Southeast market, or maybe you submit to agents in Chicago or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, do your research. It's pretty easy nowadays with the internet to figure out which agents are good. Um, you know, there's a lot of blogs and forums and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, get, get your craft in order, get your materials in order, and then submit your stuff to the reputable agents. And then your, your agent's going to do that work of getting the auditions for you. You know, they're going to submit you for the things that you're right for. And a good agent is going to have relationships with casting directors and be able to pitch you and be like, Hey, I have this client. They're perfect for this, you know, and try to get you in the room or get you that opportunity to self tape so that you can get those auditions. And then it just kind of becomes, you know, a numbers game. Unfortunately, there's so many pieces of this industry that we cannot control. You know, we don't, we can't control what type they're looking for. They go older, younger, they go with a different ethnicity or the role gets cut out entirely or whatever the case may be. But if you just, you know, are consistent and you do good work, casting's going to remember you. They're going to keep asking for your tapes. So they're going to keep bringing you into their office and, you know, eventually you will book. Very well said. You're right. E even if you don't get the part, it could be a million reasons, but guess what? They can remember you for something else. I've heard that so much. Yeah. There's a, there's a common saying, you know, book the room, not the role, meaning, you know, if you do a good job, you book the room casting likes you, they remember you, they're going to bring you in and then you're going to be on their short list for things going forward. So, you know, you have to kind of think longer term and, and as much as when you get an audition and you get a role, you're like, Oh, I want to book it. You know, it's, it's <laughs> there's, like I said, there's so many things that aren't in your control, but if you do good work, that that's going to count. That's going to matter going forward. And then you'll have more opportunities. So yeah, book the room, baby. Book the room. That sounds like a good plan to me. And if you don't mind me asking one more question about this topic, I really yeah. appreciate your suggestions because again, there could be somebody out there listening that would really benefit from this. And that is, uh, do you have a recommendation as far as like lighting? I mean, do they really need to buy special lights or is it just a matter of having appealing lighting or do you have any recommendations about the background? Is it just keep it a plain looking cream colored wall, so to speak? Or do you have any thoughts to say about that as far as self-taping? It, the quality of yourself it does matter. I mean, I know on um, being on the receiving end, you know, casting things myself, if it looks really crappy and I can't see you and I can't hear you, it's distracting or whatever. It just, it's just a reason for me to tune out and you don't want to give anyone watching you a reason to tune out. You want to give them a reason to keep watching. So the cleaner and more professional your self tape can look, the better. So the good thing is it's really easy nowadays. I definitely recommend a solid color backdrop. You can, if you have a blue or gray wall, that would be ideal better than cream. It just looks better on camera. Otherwise you can buy some of those, um, you can buy some of those uh, easy, like, pop-up backdrops. Um, I don't know what they're called, but they're basically called pop-ups. They kind of, like, fold down. They're just, like, fabric, and you can prop it up against the wall, and you can get those oh, all kinds okay. of um, so you could do that in a blue or gray or whatever you want to do for but that. That's, that would be an easier thing if you don't have a solid wall. And as far as lighting and sound, it's really important as well too. So, uh, the great thing is our phones nowadays have excellent video, excellent video sound. So you can do that. And that's really easy. Yes. You can get a DSLR that is video and do that as well. Uh, ring light tends to be the easiest thing to do. Just one simple ring light. Cause you only need the one light. If you want to get fancy, you can get multiple soft boxes or have a backlight or whatever, but just a clean ring light that can go, they have them for your phone. If you have a phone, they have them for your DSLRs. We have that, um, can be really simple and you just have the one light and make sure the sound is good. Uh, you know, know how to frame yourself. It's really easy nowadays. Again, the internet, we can research everything. So there's a lot of self tapes that exist out there. You can do your research in Google self tapes, you know, and see actors that actually 
the tapes that got them their actual roles and whatever, and kind of get a sense for how you should be framing it and what it looks like. And that, there you go, you're off and running. So yeah, the good thing is a lot of the, the equipment is very cheap on, you know, you can get cheap tripod and cheap light on Amazon and they're still decent. So uh, that makes it really easy. But I, I do think that the quality of the tape matters. You know, obviously the performance is much more important, but like I said, you just don't want to give anyone a reason to turn you off. You And you want to be heard. If, if they can't hear you, that's not good. <laughs> or if it's too dark, it's like, huh. I can't really see the person. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, now let me ask you. Uh, of course, smartphones are incredible these days, obviously. But what if you have like an HD webcam camera that records video and sound? So I've seen people use their, there's some, even some apps and there's like a, um, like a website or a, whatever, an app slash website called We Audition that, that does everything through the computer. I uh-huh. don't, I don't like those personally on the receiving end. Like I just, it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be up to casting's opinion, you know. To be honest, when when is I get is it laggy? Is that the problem, or just not as like good quality? Looks, yeah, the quality. I don't. I don't think the quality is as good. I, I think eye lines tend to be weird on it. It just looks weird. I, I just don't prefer it. Um, okay. I don't really see them being used like that often by people who are actually booking and stuff. The thing is, too, also when you when you, for example, in the southeast market, because they're you know they're doing soft tapes and they're, they they've been doing this for a long time. You'll get a long list of instructions from the casting office with what they want. You know, as far as what they want on your slate, where they want you to frame it, and all this kind of stuff. So the best advice is is to listen to the instructions. You know, make sure that you're doing what they're telling you to do. So if they're saying, don't film this way, don't do this, you know, listen to them. Even if it seems weird to you, or you usually do it that way, follow the instructions. They're there for a reason. Follow the instructions. Well, I, I tell you what, I apologize, but I actually thought of one final question on this topic because yeah. you're so knowledgeable about it. And I really appreciate you sharing this with the listeners no problem. as well as myself, because as mentioned, I have been away from acting for a few years and I really am benefiting from this as well. Now, yeah. as far as an audition or even an online acting class, obviously there's some reputable teachers that offer that. Let's say there is a situation where it is, for whatever reason, required to have a reader. So what if someone went, uh, does this mean the person actually performs the scene, the reader, like like they, with the real emotion? Or is it like how casting can be in person, where they just say the lines to you? Do you know if there's a, a preference in the industry, if there is a reader involved in the scene, like another person reading a, another character? I mean, I think here's what I'll say on that. Uh, first of all, you don't ever want your sure. reader to be louder. You don't want your reader to be louder than you because it's your audition. So, uh, you like as long as as long as you can hear them, but they're not overpowering you, then that's like the most important thing. As far as whether they're going to be an actor or not, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of up to you and how you need what you need to do your best performance. You know, if it's going to help you to have somebody opposite you that's really giving it to you, then by all means. But if you are and they don't need to be that. seen, right? They're just need to no, be no, no. Heard. They're off Is camera. That... They're off camera. Yeah, your soft tape about camera. you, not your reader. Yeah. So gotcha. Um, if it helps you to have a reader that's really, really great and really into it, go for it. But if if they're going to be more neutral, like casting, that's also fine. I mean, a lot of times people are using yeah. whoever they have available to them. So I've gotten some stuff. I love it. My favorite part is when they have like clearly their mom or their grandma or their significant other who's <laughs> never acted a day in their life opposite them. But it doesn't matter. It's fine if as long as they're doing a serviceable yeah. job and the actor can perform. It's totally fine. So they really just want to hear the lines and, 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 and Hey, it can be distracting. Don't you think maybe a little bit, if the other person got too dramatic, like, I mean, it could benefit you, but uh, that you want them to focus on you. 
That's exactly right. You want them to focus on you. So like I said, it's, 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 it's really about what you need to, to do your best work as an actor. Um, obviously, you don't want them to be like going crazy and doing too much. And like I said, you don't want them to be louder than you. You want them to be heard, but not louder than you. And just yeah, whatever you need to do your best work is, is what I'll, I'd say is the best scenario. Well, I can't thank you enough for for all of this information. Wow, this was really um, unexpected to a certain extent. So I, I consider this a, a nice uh, touch to our conversation today. Um, I, I really like your enthusiasm and energy very much, uh, Victoria. It's uh, thank you. Uh, very contagious. I could literally talk to you all day. And, uh, I mean, I, I tell you what, I think we could have some interesting conversations because I just love talking to people with your kind of enthusiasm. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way, believe it or not. Love it. I did want to bring up a, a rule that you did. Uh, you appeared on Days of Our Lives years ago. And, you know, I've had so many fine folks visit me from th- that work on daytime television and just such amazing people. I just wanted to ask, what was that like? And I'm sure that you noticed that a lot of these shows are very well-oiled, run machines, aren't they? They certainly are. Actually, that was my very first TV job, Days of Our Lives, which was very cool. Oh, wow. Um, That's a good way to start things off. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was super fun. And the episode that I filmed first was the, like, 12,000th episode, which is absolutely insane. Oh. They, were, they were having, like, a big party, and it was, it was fun. Hey, good timing. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really good timing. So, Just like you uh, planned. And that was, the, the casting director for that, for Days of Our Lives, Marnie Saida, she was fantastic. She, I met her at a, a workshop, and um, she's a tough cookie, and people were, like, very intimidated by her. But I love, I even though I'm from California, I have very East Coast, like, tendencies. I'm very straightforward. I love, <laughs> like, I love it. I don't like fake fluffery. I'm like, just get it straight, straight. And she's very much like that, East Coast chick, and we vibed. And she liked me and called me in the next week, and I booked that role, and it was that easy. Um, and nice. she, yeah. So anyway, the soaps, soaps are fantastic because they, they are filming. I mean, they're putting out an episode for every single day. So their schedule is very different from your standard primetime TV. So they kind of film uh, by location. So they'll film for like the next five to seven episodes coming up. They'll film all the scenes at the you know hospital and then all the scenes of the restaurant and all the scenes at whoever's house. They kind of film by location to make it easy. And you basically only get one take of everything unless um, one of the, the series regulars, you know, really needs another take for a big emotional scene or something, but they have, a, that, those actors have a lot of dialogue to work with and they're, they're hustling. So you kind of come, you know, show up, do your blocking, film it, and then you're done. So it's the nice thing too, is if you're doing like supporting roles, it's like the quickest day you'll ever have on set. You're there for a few hours and, and you're out, which is really <laughs> nice. So, and same thing with um, when I did Tyler Perry's show um, in Atlanta, his, his shows run very much the same way. Like they have the soap opera kind of, um, uh, set up, you know, in terms of just cranking them out and filming very efficiently. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's very cool. It's definitely its own challenge and its own, its own thing that they're doing. So, but so give people, a lot of the people their starts, you know, in the industry. Um, and that's fantastic. Well, Victoria, before I give you an opportunity to let folks know out there how they can find you on social media, uh, I, I have to say, I just had such a great time today. You're definitely a very talented lady and very creative, and and I just hope you will definitely come back again someday, and hopefully soon. I thought I would ask you, though, okay, obviously, Disgraced, the series, is about some of the, you know, absurdities that many of us can encounter in the industry, but here we are talking about acting out of love and, and, and joy, and, 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 and I think that just says everything of why we keep doing what we do. But what do you actually like the most, you 
as an individual about the creative process. Is there anything in particular that stands out in your mind that where you go, wow, this is why I want to do this every day? Oh, definitely. There's, there's so many things. Like you just said, the joy, that, that is huge. And, and what I really loved stepping into the, you know, stepping behind the camera, stepping into the producing and directing and writing side of things, creating side of things was the, the control that you have over setting the tone for your set and really like being able to work with amazing, talented people and, and handpick them and really make sure that that joy is ever present. Because that's why we get into this business is because we love it. We love creating and we just have so much fun doing it. And it's so easy to be beat down in so many ways by the business and kind of forget that, forget that joy and forget that why. And so to really have that be like ever present on your set and just feel that from everybody is fantastic. So I've loved stepping into the producing side of things and being able to kind of set the tone that way and just set the tone with how people and how people are treated and just really kind of do that. So I've loved that. But as far as the creative process goes, I I just love the collaboration aspect. I love, you know, bouncing ideas off of people and being able to work with other talented creative people. And when everyone comes together and brings their, their stuff to it and puts their stamp on it, it really is bigger than, you know, the sum is bigger than the parts. And that's, um, that's really amazing to see. And, and, and it's great. It's great to be able to collaborate with people and, and really have created something together that, you know, you couldn't have done with, with anybody missing that everybody brought their, their own little spice to it. And now it's this, this beautiful thing that exists. And I love that. Well, that's a beautiful answer. That that put a smile on my face. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad. And, and one more thing. Um, yeah. Is it true that you have uh, rescued dogs or you're a dog mama, so to speak? Oh, definitely. I'm a crazy dog lady for sure, yeah. yeah I'm surprised they haven't uh, barked and been naughty during the interview. Uh, they're being very good yeah, They've right been now. very good. They, they get extra treats today. Yeah, yeah. So I have three um, three rescue pit bulls, and I'm part of an organization called Angel City Pit Bulls that um, rescues oh, okay. animals from the six uh, city shelters in L.A. We do a lot of community outreach and free training and resources, especially for the South L.A. community, which is really underserved and kind of needs it. So um, I help run playgroups there. I do adoptions and dog meets and adoption counseling, and I help run our shelter facility. We actually took over um, what used to be the old South L.A. shelter, and then they outgrew it and moved on. So we have some kennels there. There's also like a low-cost. Uh, vet clinic upstairs and so yeah i'm very involved in animal rescue i'm a huge animal lover love my crazy dogs they're hilarious they make me laugh every day and they're just the best so yeah i love it (laughs) i rescued a dog last year and uh, she's brought me so much joy i I thought she was an english cocker spaniel but apparently she may be an american cocker spaniel it looks like it's 50 50 but a beautiful dog she was actually only there for one night so very fortunate that uh, oh wow, we, she had a very know, short that, stay. Yeah, very short stay, and and I'm I'm so glad about that. And and now it just feels like she's been with me forever. <laughs> you know, it's interesting how that how that works. Well, you're welcome to send me information about those uh, uh, causes that you believe in. And, oh yeah, and I'd be happy will. to help spread the word. So please feel free to send that to me anytime. And you know what? I just sent you a Facebook friend request today. Hopefully Perfect. it is you. I think it is. <laughs> you I, know think there's always one, I think weird... there's only one of me. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good if there's only one. It's strange how sometimes, you know, all those fakes show up, but I'm pretty sure this is you. And, uh, but how can folks find you on social media if they want to learn more about you or connect with you? Yeah, I would love to love that. So everything is just my name, my full name, Victoria Vertuga. So it's just at Victoria Vertuga on all the various platforms. And then for the series Disgraced, it's just at Disgraced to the series um, everywhere as well. So that's how you can find me and keep up to date with what's going on. And I would love to connect with you guys. Well, Victoria, the time flew by. 
I have to say thank you for being so generous with your time and sharing so many fun stories and also your thoughts and suggestions on self-taping and, and, and thoughts about the industry. I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, it was such a pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. And to the friends and listeners out there, thank you for listening. I also want to thank my guest again, Victoria Vertuga. And let me tell you here and now, you know, it's conversations like this that uh, makes me feel so blessed and grateful to be a host because I am completely smiling right now. What a wonderful and talented lady. Well, I'll catch all of you on the next episode. Thank you.